try one more time. Good morning, everybody. Well, let me say this. Uh, there are a lot of things on our mind as we come together this morning, and I'm kind of a little bit of, of everywhere. Uh, on one hand, I'm very, very excited to see all of our church family, and that is, that is awesome. And part of me just wants to just clap and just say thank you, Jesus, that we are together again. And there's, there's this other part of me that is caught up in the fact that, that this is the first day that we kind of return to some of the construction on the new facility, and it looks so beautiful, doesn't it? Uh, and, and so many people have worked so hard, and I uh, so praise God that we are together here like this. And, uh, and there's, this, there's this other part of me um, that's here today, and that I'm really, really sad because of what's been happening in our country over the last week. Um, the racism and the violence that we all watched on national television, and I'm heartbroken by what I saw there. And, uh, and, and listen, I think that the people come and they have to have two perspectives on that. On one hand, people want to come to church and they want to escape that. They want to hear something else. They, they think, I've been on the news all the time and I just don't want to hear about that today. And I think on the other hand, people want to come to church and they want to help have someone help them process and work through that. Let me, let me be real quick in doing that. Racism is awful. It breaks my heart. There's no place for it in the kingdom of God. What's happening in the riots now uh, is not justice either. I understand why people uh, feel like they, they've suffered an injustice and they have to riot. But my heart's broken for those who are losing things in the riots and those who are, who are being hurt in the riots as well. That being said, um, I think the, the main message that we're going to focus on today is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not social justice. And so we're going we're gonna to preach about Jesus today because I, I believe that Jesus heals all wounds. And so I invite you to hear that and, and be ministered to by that and to look at Jesus and to find in the life and actions of Jesus the way we are to respond and act and live. Uh, so in a little while, just kind of working through how we're going to do this today, um, some people are scared to death to sing. Because we've all been told that maybe singing puts um, coronavirus droplets into the air and we're all going to die. And, and, and I don't know. In a second, we're going to sing one song together. And if it makes you very uncomfortable, we're going to give you a little heads up. And you can run out to the volleyball court or, or run, just make some space for yourself. But then after that, we're going to have other music. But we're not going to ask you to stand and sing for that music, man. There's just something to me that says when the church is gathered, the church should sing. And if we can, we will. If we feel like we can do it safely. So we're going to do that here in just a second. Um, for those of you who are members of other churches and are here, uh, because we've opened early, your church hasn't opened, we just say welcome. Uh, we're glad that this can be a, a place for you for a season until your church opens its doors. We are, we are pleased to have you. We are a gospel-driven, mission-centered family of believers. Uh, the gospel drives us forward into mission, and we definitely are a family that is really happy to be together today. When we come together and are joined, we, uh, we, 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 we do something. We profess our faith every time we do this, and we do it through something we call the Apostles' Creed. It's an ancient statement, one of the most ancient statements of the church about what we believe to be true. And so if you are capable of doing so, uh, I want to invite you to stand now as we're called to worship with the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, I believe, is it Nathan that's coming up here next, or is it you, Jim? Uh, Jim, come on up. You got to sing? Y'all can be seated. Good morning to you. Um, it is really good to see everybody else out here, every here, and, and there's something sort of appropriate about uh, being outside because that's where most of our renovations have been going on for this, uh, for these last months, really, um, and probably a year. Um, but we are so thankful for what God has been doing here. I hope you've been able to see it, uh, particularly at night, or late afternoon, early evening, in the at night when you can just see all the lights on up front here. It is just beautiful. Um, uh, you know, when you get an opportunity, you know, thank the folks that are in that committee. I'm sure we'll get that whole information, but it was uh, centered on some of our elders, uh, John Young, Brad Bradshaw, uh, Charles Osier, and, and a number of others. And, and, and please let them know what a good job. This is not easy. Um, they, they're always, I mean, a lot of y'all would ask them, hey, when's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? And we would talk to them, when's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? And they just did a great job navigating that. Um, and, uh, of course, there's more to be happening as God opens up the opportunities in the coming months and, and, and years. Um, so a few other things. Uh, for those that um, uh, use the devotionals, um, we, the, uh, of course, we have the monthly table talk and we have the quarterly daily bread. And um, I've been sending out a lot of those to folks that have asked for them, but feel free to pick one up over here. Um, take that with you. If you don't get it, contact us contact us and we'll send it to you. Some of you have come by and picked them up, but we have no trouble putting them in the mail and, and, and send, sending them to you. Um, also, um, uh, please note that um, uh, if you got your wireless, I think they, uh, Adam Coker has asked me to um, communicate with you all. Would you maybe turn those off? It may, it's going to help a little bit with the folks hearing what they're going to be hearing in the car and elsewhere. Um, and so he says, uh, turn, turn that off if you get for the next hour or so. That would be helpful. Also, uh, we still quite haven't figured out what we're going to do for the next service. Uh, we might be here. We won't decide that. When we looked back 10 days ago, it showed rain today, lightning and thunderstorms and all the rest. Maybe just the afternoon, but we don't know. Um, and right now, it's showing that next Sunday, and the heat's sort of coming back, so we don't know if we're going to be indoors. We're working through all of that. Please keep a, an eye on your, the emails and the various forms of uh, Facebook and various kinds of uh, communications uh, that we send you. And um, if you know somebody who doesn't really tap into a lot of that stuff, please contact them and, and, and um, let them go. Well, amen. Let's uh, prepare ourselves. Prepare ourselves to, um, um, to worship the Lord our God, to hear his word, and to be changed. Good morning, Lakeside. It is so good, good to be here with y'all finally. I have been looking for this day for many weeks now. If you would, please stand with me and sing. If you don't feel like it, that's, that is fine, but I would love to hear your lovely voices this morning as we sing of the hymn, Blessed Assurance.
We're going to um, uh, pray together, and we're also doing something we have not done in a while uh, together. We're going to we'll have our also give thanks um, for our giving. Now, uh, a lot of y'all have been giving so faithfully, and we appreciate that, that you're able to do it, and, and uh, uh, you've done it through, you know, the easy tie, you sent it in the mail, and you brought it by, you continue doing that. Uh, at the services, though, um, really, we appreciate the great work of, of Joe Bates, who's one of our deacons, of a lot of great stuff here. And he has served us and made this little offering, um, a receptacle. We have one here and one over here. And at the end of the service, uh, as you leave, you can feel free to, um, if you brought your offering, you can feel just to drop it in there. Uh, somebody asked, are you sure that's not the, uh, the, the pastor um, uh, lunch fund? And we said, no, it's not. It, it is the offering for the church. And, um, and, and, and for those that are in our, the cars at the end of the service, you turn on your lights or just hold it out your, your hand out the window. And one of our deacons will come by with clay, and you just put it in there. Uh, that will make it easy for you. Um, uh, among other things, this in the church calendar is Pentecost Sunday. It is that Sunday that we remember and that we honor the outpouring of the, the Holy Spirit upon the church, where, where God, in a sense, recreates. In, in, in Genesis 1, he, he, he takes what is inanimate, and he brings the Spirit into it and makes it alive. And that's humanity. And then and, uh, Pentecost, Pentecost, he again pours out his spirit, and he takes out what is dead, and gives it life. In a sense, it's the new humanity, and if we are believers in Christ, that's who we are. And so we honor that day, and uh, so our text this morning comes from the book of Acts. It says, on the last day of the feast, that was the Feast of Tabernacles of Booth, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But he is now glorified, and we have received that Spirit. Let's go to our God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, the giver of all things, and who makes all things work together for good for those that love you and are called according to your purposes. Indeed, you have poured out your Spirit on Pentecost, filling your people with life that flows eternally in your presence. With your Spirit is the promise that we are being transformed into the image of your Son from glory to unimaginable glory. By your overwhelming grace and through the abundance of faith we are given in Jesus, teach us to walk in Christ. Strengthen us to lay aside the old self, which is destined for corruption and annihilation, and put on the new, the new self, destined for truthfulness and eternity. Give us a love for your holy law, seeking to meditate upon it day and night, abhorring our daily failure in obedience to it, and rejoicing again to its beauty in our restoration. Lord, give us courage to believe and to stand in your word before a corrupted and corrupting world. To not love a world that is passing away, to live your mission to a world that you so love that you sent your Son to save. Father, bless our giving now. Let us rejoice in this act of worship that manifests our faith in God, who is the Alpha and the Omega of all things. Hear our petitions in the name of Jesus the Messiah. He who gives us access to your love and teaches us to praise him, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
uh, to make an appearance. And, and if you remember the story, his, his brothers are like, Jesus, let's go down uh, to Jerusalem. And he says, no, nah, I'm not going to go. But then he kind of sneaks in at the end. And he comes in and he, he waits till they're in the middle of the Feast of Booths. And he goes to the middle of the temple. And Jesus boldly starts preaching in the middle of the temple. Now, I remember last time in John 5, they were trying to kill him. John 7, he sneaks in. He goes to the middle of the temple. He's going to start preaching again. John chapter 8, we're moving forward. Uh, Jesus is still hanging around the temple, temple in Jerusalem, the ceremony of the temple of elimination. Of, and, uh, and Jesus stands in the middle of the temple, one of the big holy sacrifices again. And, and Jesus says, and I am the light of the world. And then he claims to be the great I am. You can imagine the height of blasphemy that Jesus' words have in the temple. He continues to go there the whole day. He continues to be run out by stoning the rest of the rest. Rest of death. We read about uh, some of that last week about how Jesus, he was leaving the temple, and the crowd was trying to stone Jesus. And as he was running, and the crowd was trying to stone him, he sees a man who was born blind, and he stops and he heals this man. And in the context of that so tremendous, you see Jesus fleeing the temple for his life after making these claims of deity. And he stops to heal the man as if to say, Words are easy, watch what I can do. And, and, and as he said, he was allowed to he brings light to this man's eyes. And I want you to see this pattern building. In chapter 5, in chapter 7, in chapter 8, all these Jesus in the temple, but he's holding days, and he's preaching to the Jews, and they're always rejecting him, and they're always trying to kill him. And by the time we get to chapter 10, Jesus is back in Jerusalem one more time, and this time it's for the Feast of Dedication, another feast to have him back there. And, and, the, and the Jews are gathered around Jesus. There's a big crowd. And, and, they, and, they, and they come to him and they, and they say to him, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus says to the crowd, uh, I didn't tell you plainly. And, and you didn't believe. Furthermore, he said, I gave you signs. And you still didn't believe. It's at this point that Jesus tells them why they won't believe. Jesus says, I, I told you, I've shown you, the reason that you don't believe me is that you are not among my sheep. That's what Jesus says. The reason that you don't believe is that you're not among my sheep. Interesting, isn't it? That, that only those that are of Jesus' flock can believe in him. And if you're not of Jesus' flock, you can hear him say, hey, I'm the Messiah. You can see him do these miracles, and you're still not going to believe. Can, can you guess what happened after Jesus said this to them? It's not shocking. They pick up stones and they try to kill him. This is about the fourth time that we've seen this pattern happen all through the Gospel of John. And so Jesus leaves Jerusalem again. He's gone again. Here's the pattern I want you to see. I'm going to say it again so you understand. Jesus goes to Jerusalem on holy day. He performs signs that should tell people that he's the Messiah. They should be able to see it. He, he preaches, and he publicly professes to be the Son of God. And as a result, the people of Jerusalem continually want to kill him. And all of this points us back to the introduction of this great book of John. John told us what was going to happen. If you go back and read the first chapter, John 1, 9-11, says this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
this is what we see that John introduces to us at the first chapter, and then we see it in chapter 5, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 10. It just keeps going on and on again. Jesus going to Jerusalem, Jesus saying that he's the Messiah, and him getting rejected. So what does Jesus do when he leaves Jerusalem this time? He goes into the wilderness. He goes in that same area where, where John the Baptist was baptizing people, and, and he starts doing ministry. Jesus starts doing ministry. Scripture tells us that the ministry that Jesus does in, in chapter 10 that is very fruitful. That, that these baptizing people, lives are being changed. And this is where our reading for today begins. Uh, Jesus is in the wilderness of Bethany. And... Uh, he, he's escaped from Jerusalem from this time of, of being persecuted, and he's in the countryside, and his ministry is productive. I want to read together from John 11, uh, 1 through 16 today. Let me explain the way that we think about Scripture. Um, we believe it to be the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, and uh, for us, it rules our lives as it is the Word of God. And so we try to stand when it's read as, as a way of giving respect to it. And if you are able, I want to invite you now to stand where you are in reverence to the Word of God read. Another thing that we do is we pray that the Spirit would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the Word of God. So I'm going to do that for us all now. Let's, let's pray. Father, we come to you now in a time where it feels like our world is burning down. People are sick. Violence abounds, and we're looking for a place to be centered, to find truth. So we come to your word hungry, needy. Spirit, will you unfold this word before us today? May it take hold of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning in John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he who you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. But the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant uh, taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. 
church the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Verse 1 says that a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Here's what's interesting in this story. Jesus and the disciples, like I said, are doing ministry in this small village where John the Baptist used to baptize people. And that, that village where John the Baptist was baptizing people was called Bethany. And they get word that Lazarus is sick in another town with the exact same name. It's also called Bethany. So you, they, they call from one Bethany to the other saying that Lazarus is sick. What's strange about, uh, about that is Bethany means something like house of the poor or house of poverty. You at least have to wonder if uh, this is kind of a descriptive name. Are we talking about that there are poor people who live in this area? Uh, we don't know what's wrong with Lazarus other than we know he's sick. Apparently he's sick enough that the sisters decide that they need to send a messenger to tell Jesus. Now remember, if you will, that it's a full day journey from Bethany to Bethany. Now most people believe that Lazarus was still alive when this messenger left Bethany to head to Bethany, right? They believe that, that he left trying to tell Jesus and the disciples that, that Lazarus is sick, but shortly after the messenger leaves, just moments after he leaves, most people believe that Lazarus succumbs to death. So that by the time that the messenger makes the trip to Jesus, makes the one-day trip, that Lazarus would have probably been already dead for a full day. The messenger says in verse 11, 3, Lord, he who you love is ill. And, and the Greek word for love here is uh, philia, which many of you know, like the word Philadelphia, is the kind of love that you have for a friend. Uh, when people talk about uh, Jesus' humanity, uh, you get to see a big piece of Jesus' humanity here in chapter 11. Uh, we get to read about Jesus' love for a friend. We get to read that Jesus is not just some cold or detached deity. He has friends, and he has friends that he loves. What I love about this description about Jesus' humanity is we get to look inside Jesus. When people normally talk about his humanity, they talk about his hunger, they talk about his thirst. But I love this idea that Jesus had these friends, and he has these friends that he loves, and he loses his friends, and he goes to the tomb, and he weeps for his friends that he lost and that he loves. I love this about Jesus. I love that he is our great high priest who knows what it's like to have friends that he loves. It's an important part of being human, is it not? That we, we have our community, we have our people, and we love them. And Jesus understood this. And I think that's a huge part of, of what we all have been missing together over the last few months. We, like Jesus, love our friends, and we've been mourning that we haven't been able to be together. And I think that Jesus would empathize with us in our loneliness and in our isolation over the past few months, because I think Jesus knows what it's like to lose friends. What does Jesus say when he hears uh, that the friend that he loves is ill? If we look at verse 4, it says this. Uh, Jesus replies to hearing that the friend that he loves is ill by saying, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So he says that uh, this illness does not lead to death. But wait, wait, wait. Remember, Lazarus is already dead. He's been dead a day now. The messenger doesn't know that. 
The disciples don't know that, but make no mistake, Jesus knows that. He knows that Lazarus has been dead for a day. And yet he still says that this illness does not lead to death. Like I said, we don't know what Lazarus had. But we do know why Lazarus was ill. If you look at Scripture, you can understand why he was ill. Scripture says that Lazarus was ill for the glory of God. Again, remember that verse 4 says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Lazarus' illness is for God's glory so that, so that Christ can, can heal him and he can have the glory of God and have God testifying to Christ being the Son of God. And I've often wondered about that statement, uh, about this idea of illness for the purpose of glorifying God. I wonder what that looks like for you and for me. Like, what does illness for the glory of God look like in our lives? Alexis, I hope that you never get sick. And I really hope that I never get sick. But what does it look like to be sick for the glory of God? What, what, what would that look like? My question is this, is, is there a way in which we get sick where we're sick in such a manner that it glorifies God? Even if, even if there's no miraculous healing, even if it progresses unto death, is there a way in which that sickness can glorify God? Many of us will face illness in this life. I think it's one of, the, that when you're ill and when you're sick, that it's one of the most powerful opportunities for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. People will stop and listen to sick friends. You ever notice this? If I've got a friend who's sick, he's at the end of his life, and he talks, I sit up, I, I hang on every word. I've got a few people who are like this right now, and when they talk, I want to know what they're saying. I, I don't know why there's wisdom in facing our own death, but let me tell you what, there is a real opportunity in sickness to glorify God. I believe if you can figure out a way to do so when you face your own sickness, that it's good for your soul. I believe it's so good for those people who loved you, your family, to see you, to leave a testimony of the glory of God as you're sick. Listen, I'm getting sidetracked. Let's get back to the text. I promised you I'd teach about Jesus today. Read with me verse 5. It says this, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Would you expect Jesus to say that? That Jesus loved them so much that he stayed there? I think most of us would expect it to say, Jesus loved them so much that he raced back, he raced to be with them, he raced to heal Lazarus. But no, it says that Jesus loved them so much that he stayed two extra days where he was. Now here's the drama in this story. The town of Bethany, where, where Lazarus lies dead, it's in Judea, and it's only a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. And as we established earlier, that is a very dangerous place for Jesus and the disciples to go. Right? We talked about this. Every time he goes there, people are trying to kill him. So you can imagine that when Jesus decides to stay for an extra couple of days, the disciples are like, "Woo! I'm glad we don't have to go back there. I mean, I'm glad we can just relax. We don't want to have to go back and face this. There won't be anywhere near that hornet's nest that we call Jerusalem. But then all of a sudden, two days later, Jesus says in verse 7, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples get worried. They know they have to go back into danger. And they're thinking to themselves, Jesus is reckless. 
uh, Jesus must have a death wish. Every time we go to Jerusalem, they try to kill us. They tried in chapter 5, they tried in chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 10. Last time it got really bad. And the verse 8, the disciples say to Jesus, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And there's a lot of great drama here. In there, the sisters are at home wondering why Jesus hasn't come yet. The disciples are, happened, are worried about what's going to happen if they actually return. And in the midst of all this chaos, Jesus seems to be at peace. And he responds with a, what I think is a very, a very confusing parable. Excuse me, a proverb. And I think this proverb is kind of confusing. Let's read it together and you see if it makes just crystal clear sense to you. Because I, I don't think it does. I think it takes a little reflection. Uh, they say, are you going back so they can kill you? And this is what Jesus says. This is verses 9 and 10 of chapter 11. Jesus responds, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Let's break that proverb down. Jesus says there are 12 hours of daylight every day. And if you walk during the daylight, walk when the, when the sun's out, you don't stumble because you're able to see where you're going. Um, and, and so I'm thinking about that today in, in the light of the fact that, that I've got like seven or eight friends that are here right now that all have stumbled and broken something in the last little bit. So I'm, I'm hoping y'all were probably walking at night, I don't know. But if you're going to try to walk in the darkness, you're going to stumble. You can't see because the light of the world's not in you. That's what this parable's about. So what's his point? What does Jesus mean? How does that fit into this, are you going to go back to where it's dangerous thing? Here's a hint. It's about the sovereignty of God. Let's look at the, let's look at the logic. Jesus' point was this. You, uh, you can't lengthen the daylight, right? You can't do anything to make it longer when the, when the sun goes down. You can't lengthen it all, and you can't shorten the daylight. That's the logic here in this, in this uh, parable, or proverb, excuse me. There, there are 12 hours. That's what you get. That's all you're going to get. Now, Jesus, isn't, he's not really trying to measure it. This isn't scientifically. We know that daylight changes based on what season we're in. The point here is that there is only so much light in a day, and there's only so much darkness in a day, and there's nothing any friend of yours can do to lengthen the daylight. Right? There's nothing. I can't ask, I can't ask Jason. He can't give me any more daylight. No one can lengthen the daylight. But at the same time, there's nothing that any of your enemies can do to shorten the daylight. You understand that? It's set by the sovereignty of God how much daylight there is. Jesus is telling his disciples, God has ordained a purpose for my life. And it's the cross. The point here is, is, like I said, at the heart of this proverb, it's God's sovereignty. There's, there's 12 hours of, of daylight in the day. God controls it, and we can't change it. And, and so it is with the days of your life. Think about it. It's, it's the same way with the days of your life. No enemy can shorten your life. No friend can lengthen your life beyond the days that, that God has allowed for you to live. Jesus is he's just telling his disciples, God has a purpose for my life, and it's the cross. There's nothing my enemies can do to shorten my life, and there's nothing that any of you can do as disciples who love me to lengthen my life. It's the cross. I really, really like this verse, and I hope it makes sense to you. I hope it, it, it speaks to your life where you are right now. I think we need to hear this verse. Listen to me. 
You need to hear this right now. There is nothing that can shorten or lengthen the days which the Lord has ordained for your life. There's nothing. Nothing can, can threaten those days. Nothing can give you more. War cannot shorten your life from what God has ordained. Gun violence cannot shorten your life from what God has ordained. Medicine cannot lengthen your life from what God has ordained. Nor can deadbolt or Kevlar vest extend your life any. The coronavirus cannot shorten your days. What God has ordained for you is what you get, period. But let me tell you what I'm not saying, because this is really important. I am not one of those snake handlers who says Christians cannot get the coronavirus. You understand me? Of course Christians can get the coronavirus. And, and many of us have, and many of us will, and many of us will die. And that death will be the will of our sovereign God. Nothing could have added to those days. Nothing could have taken away from their, those days. There are 12 hours of daylight. When we walk in it, we do not stumble. I'm not saying we are bulletproof. I'm not saying you should act reckless or foolish. However, your day is what God has ordained it to be. And I don't know about you, but, but I'm at peace with that. Like I'm, I'm at peace. I'll, I'll take what the Lord gives me. And I, and I guess that's a really easy thing to say for a middle-aged, healthy young man right now. Um, but I'll take what the Lord gives me. Uh, and, and, and listen, I'll go where the Lord points me. And if I get sick, Lord willing, I, I want that sickness to glorify God. Now, there's much more of this story of the healing of Lazarus that I want to talk about next week. Uh, we're really going to see the glory of God, but today, let's just pause for a second. Let's look at how Jesus thinks about danger. The disciples are terrified to go back to Jerusalem. And they say to Jesus, are you really going back where they want to stone you? And Jesus says, my father is sovereign. What can my enemies do? Nothing. They can't do anything to stop the cross. And the disciples can't either. They can't do anything to save Jesus from the cross. The cross is God's will for Jesus, and so is the resurrection of Lazarus. And so Jesus goes boldly into danger in obedience to God's will, comforted by his sovereignty. What is there for us to learn by this? 2020 appears to be a, a bad dream on steroids. Amen? There's a deadly pandemic, the crumbling economy, inexcusable violence against unarmed black men, riots in the street, there's bedlam, there's chaos. I would not leave my home if I did not have the same confidence that Jesus does, that our God is a sovereign God who has laid out 12 hours of light in every day, who has numbered the days of your life. In the end, I'll take what God has for me. The days are just enough. No enemy or disease can shorten them. No friend or protection can lengthen them. And if you trust in a loving God, that's a big if. If you trust in a loving God, you can find peace in whatever God has set aside for you. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. 
take joy in it. Let's have a word of prayer. Uh, the worship team has asked me to pray really long so that they have time to get into place. So, uh, so I'm going to give you guys time to confess your sin because I figure that will take a long time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ability to hear about Jesus and to hear about the things that, that gave him courage. Jesus took courage in the sovereignty of his Father, of, of, of the fact that, that, that God controlled every second of the day, every breath that we breathe. Father, I thank you for the hope that we have that comes from the cross of Jesus. We remember the cross of Jesus today, the fact that uh, Jesus took our sin and our shame on the cross. We might take uh, his clothes of righteousness, his merits. So Christ, today we stop and we, we worship you. Praise be the name of Jesus. Uh, we confess to be sinners. We don't stand here as righteous people. None of us. Only those who are saved by the precious blood of Christ. Uh, Father, here now as we quietly, as the church, confess our sins. Father God, I thank you for Christ Jesus who has paid the price for every sin. Leaves us with a great confidence to approach the throne of righteousness. Father, may you be worshipped in the reading of this word. May you be worshipped in our songs. Pray this in Jesus' name and all the church said, Amen. Church, we're going to sing together one last song, receive a benediction, and be dismissed. So let's sing together.
darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. All right, I'm coming up here. They're, they're telling me I'm going to feed back. These are, uh, these are strange times. Uh, in the real world, I would, uh, I would hang out after the service, and I would hug all your necks and shake all your hands and tell you that I love you, but I just don't want to give you cooties. And I ask you to do some of the same kind of things here. Uh, it's like against every bit of what our church is, against all of our nature, uh, it kind of separates us. Uh, with that, with an abundance of caution as we leave and give each other space this day, um, hear this, friends. Um, Jesus has numbered your days. The Father has numbered your days. There's nothing that any friend can do to give you another one. There's nothing that any enemy can do to take away from you. And I believe there is such a thing as an illness that glorifies God. Friends, go with Jesus now. And as you go, take with you the love of God the grace of Christ Jesus, the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, until we meet again. Amen.
website and Facebook for future um, information regarding our services. God bless. Thank you.